Hello and welcome to the locker room here on Indie Live Rego number one for Spork. Um, it's Michael and Matthew here till seven o'clock tonight. Hopefully your weekend, well, start of your weekend's going okay. Swimmingly well, we should say. Um, so how's it going this week, Matthew? Oh, it's been good. It's uh, it's been a week of good results so far. I think uh, you know the the. Scottish election results at the weekend were quite good and beneficial. Uh, yesterday we had the SNP picking up another decent result in, uh, in the heart of the country in shots in Airdrie. So um, it's been a good result politically, um, but now we're on back to the good stuff. And, you know, like we said last week, the road to Holyrood is done. Uh, now we're on the road to Hamden in the Scottish Cup final. Now the, and next, not this week, but next week. So uh, ah, it's been good. Good. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah, I will we'll speak about that later on in the show, but I thought we would just dive right in there because we always like to dive in. Um, looking back at the, when was it, Wednesday night? Uh, it was the semi-final of the uh, Premiership uh, playoff between Dundee and Ray Forwards, and believe it or not, um, I thought I thought we would have been a tighter game, Matthew, but it was 3 now to Dundee, so you would think that game might be a bit over. Yeah, I mean, it is a shame. I mean, we were talking about, you know, last week we were saying that, you know, it was good that Wraith Rovers got to this, this stage because, you know, it's always good to have a Fife team in the Premier League, really, but obviously they came up against the Dundee side to, you know, I, I think in any other year, Dundee would have been champions, um, if you see what I mean, but obviously they came up against Hearts this year mm-hmm. in the Championship, and that obviously meant that Hearts were runaway favourites to win the league, and that's really how it transpired. So Dundee were always kind of there or thereabouts, and, um, you know, like you said, they're firmly on course for the Premiership playoff final, um, and it was an overwhelming result against Wraith Rovers. Wraith Rovers obviously did quite well against Dunfermline um, last time out. You had, you know, against Wraith Rovers, I think McDonald had, uh, sorry, against Dunfermline, McDonald had one of his standout matches and goals for Wraith Rovers, but they could absolutely do nothing um, against Dundee. Um, I think right from the off, Dundee were just a better team. Uh, they scored in the 22nd minute, uh, I think it was 1-0 at half time. Then McGee scored a second in the 55th minute before South just basically ended up in the 84th minute. And I don't know if there's any way back. I mean, I know, you know, Wraith Rovers could get an early goal up in up at Dens Park and they could make a game of it. But to be honest, I think Dundee um, are just so far ahead of, the, of Wraith Rovers anyway that I just can't see any way back for them. And, you know, with Hamilton now, not fully, but near enough mathematically certain to get relegated. It looks likely to be, I would suggest, Ross County or Kilmarnock. I would say Kilmarnock are probably, you know, the favourites to be in that playoff. So Dundee against Kilmarnock looks like it'll be the Premiership playoff final this year. And, um, you know, it's a funny one because if Dundee did manage to beat Kilmarnock, this is what I was kind of thinking about this morning. If Dundee managed to complete the job against Wraith Rovers and then beat Kilmarnock to go up, for example, the Scottish... Premier League will look very much like a, a league, league again because you'll have a you know the Glasgow Derby obviously with Celtic Rangers, then you've got Hearts and Hibs will have an Edinburgh Derby again. But if Dundee managed to go up, we'll have a Dundee Derby again, you know, with Dundee and Dundee United. So the Premiership will look quite good derby wise and it will do good for the status of the game. But likewise for the championship, you know, if Kamarnock were to go down 
we'd have an Ayrshire derby as well with their United and Kilmarnock. So, oh yeah, Aye. yeah. So I mean, it's quite. I mean, obviously, footballs are merit, and you know these sort of scenarios might not happen. Nor do I want to give a preference to what could happen either, because I don't actually mind so much. But you know, I'm just putting out there. You know, if if that scenario does happen, the Championship will have a Ayrshire derby. The Premier League will have three big city derbies again. So, you know, next season could be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens over the next coming days. But it's going to be, I think Dundee should dispatch Wraith Rovers. I can't see them not doing that. And then obviously we're on to the big Premier Premiership playoff final, which looks like Kilmarnock. So Dundee have their work to do. But, you know, Charlie Adams coming on strong. I think he was probably man of the match um, mm. on Wednesday against Wraith Rovers. And he's looking good now. So I think you'll find, you know, he'll dictate the pace against Wraith Rovers and up against Kilmarnock. You know, they have a man in there like Charlie Adam who can, you know, has the experience of playing not just in the Premier League, but, you know, in England's top flight as well. So Dundee have a decent side. So Dundee against Kilmarnock, you know, if that is the playoff final, um, will be one definitely to look forward to. But, you know, Saturday night, like I said, I'm not completely writing off Wraith Rovers. If they do get an early goal, they could make a game of it. But I just can't see past Dundee, to be honest with you. Yeah, tomorrow night's game, quarter cake kickoff for that one. But um, I, I was saying to you a few weeks ago about um, Kamark at Kyle Rafferty could be maybe a bit of a difference between Kamark going down and skin up. But you could maybe say, you could maybe kind of argue the case, case a wee bit for Charlie Agam. Um, you know, that would be, uh, Charlie Agam would be standing in the way of maybe Dundee going up um, coming up to the big league or staying down in the you, you know division uh, the, the championship and uh, it would be it would be a coincidence as well because they're two ex-Rangers players as well you know so yeah, I mean, head to head in the final yeah I mean it's surprising really I mean Dundee obviously like I said I think any other year Dundee would be champions of the championship I mean that Given the way they've played, given the players they've got, like you say, Charlie Adam, I think Dundee should would normally be champions any other year. But just because Hearts were down there too, they just didn't have enough to be able to compete with Hearts, and that and that's fine because Hearts are a massive, massive club with a decent, but again, their their own big playmakers on their side. So Dundee shouldn't be ashamed with that. But obviously, Kamarnock, you know, like you said, Kyle Lafferty. I mean, he had he was back obviously on Wednesday night and had an absolute stormer and. In reality, they were just about to be safe, weren't they? But St Mirren managed to storm back. And I think it was a goal with the season contender that gave St Mirren that draw against Kilmarnock. So they should have squeaked by um, during the week. They again failed to because they always concede goals. And I think that Kilmarnock have went from you know being quite solid but not scoring goals to being able to score goals but letting in leaky goals. So Kilmarnock mm. just can't seem to get that right. But um, you know, this weekend, you're thinking... You know, Kamarnock are away at Hamilton. You'd imagine Hamilton have probably, you know, have went down. So I think Kamarnock will probably have too much there and be able to at least get the three points. And then you're looking at Fur Park, you know, will Ross County get the draw that will see them avoid the playoff or will, or will Mother will put a spanner on the works and allow Kamarnock to be saved? So even though it's not as close as I thought this might be um, a few weeks ago, there's still some interesting connotations. If Hamilton win about 20 now or whatever it is, 12 now, you know, Hamilton could still survive the drop. Kilmarnock could still survive the playoff. Ross County could drop into the playoff. So there's still a lot of um, connotations still to be filled between now and the end of the season. And it'll be interesting to see where we're at. Um, 
and obviously, like I said, the Dundee game, who will be away in Dundee. So, massive, massive weekend. How, how do you feel about this, Matthew? I think we've spoken about this on the show. I can't remember um, my memory of this game bag in uh, our days. What do you guess? Um, what, you old man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Winskin, Winskin. Um, not either, but Winskin. But see, when, I'm more like Kaiser. Yeah, well. Gossip, gossip, <laughs> gossip. You know, yeah, Kevin Nisbet could be going to Celtic. I was, I was just going to say that, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I was going to say... What's your opinion about the when when we get the Premiership uh, final playoffs? I know up here in Scotland we've got two games and England gets a final kind of thing, and it's a Wembley kind of kind of thing. Do you think we should get the introduce that into Scotland? Because I don't know about you, but the two games are okay, you know, the like semi-finals and all that. But when it gets to the final, it's um, nail-biting stuff, and, you know, it's two games, it's like, you know. Your memory is poor, Michael, because we did speak about this last week, and it was it was actually yourself that brought it up as well. Um, so, I, I mean, like I said last week, I think the reason we have the playoffs, uh, playoff two-legged final, I think what it does is it gives the advantage to the Premiership team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing, is that the whole thing is geared towards self-preservation and maintaining the status quo so you know I don't know how many teams have actually won from the championship up to the playoffs I don't have the figures in front of me but it doesn't happen too often I mean I think I remember did Hamilton win at Easter Road a few well, I say a few years ago I'm getting old myself you know I think that might have been over a decade ago yeah so I think you know Hamilton have done that but there's not been too many I think that's why is because you know, the two-legged result means that eventually the championship team does have to go to the premiership club. The premiership club obviously has the advantage and therefore is weighed up in the premiership team's favour. Whereas, you know, if you have a one-off game, I think it equalises it a little bit. So, you know, if you're Dundee and you're having to go to, you know, Rugby Park to play Kilmarnock and it's now-now, for example, in aggregate, you're thinking, well, it's going to be difficult because Kilmarnock are obviously the home team, the premiership team, sometimes there's fans in, obviously. Um, it'll be quite difficult. Whereas, you know, if you're playing Hamden in a one-off occasion, um, anything could happen. It's a real cup game and it equalises that. So I think you're right, as an occasion and as a spectacle, I think if you have a one-off game, it makes a game of it, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, whereas if you have this playoff, then yeah, I think, I mean, even though, you know, I'm talking about Dundee beating Kilmarnock, yeah, if Kilmarnock were to be the team that falls into the playoff final, you'd imagine they would be favourites and a large part of that is the fact that they'll play one leg at, uh, at Rugby Park, you know, so I think it will make it a, a, it'll make it more even if you have it handed. But having said that, also the playoffs are due to have, what, 500 fans, maybe 600 fans in. So if you have if you have it handed this year, you might only have about one fan in going on the Scottish Cup final <laughs> attendance. So, so maybe it's better to have the two legs this year, but overall, yeah, I think you're right. I think as a spectacle, to make it more interesting if it was a one-off game. So, so basically, what you're saying, Matthew, is um, because I spoke about that last week, your answer that you gave me was the same answer as last week. I actually don't remember, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I think I can see merits on both the sides, uh, and I think that's probably what I said last week, I'd hope. Is what I said last week is, you know, if you're a premiership play- team, then obviously you want the two legs because 
you know, you're there's a higher chance you'll stay up. If you're a championship team, then you'll want the one leg and you'll want it to be a, a cup final scenario. So, you know, you can see where the where the power lies with the fact that it's a two-legged affair, can't you? And also we've got games coming up on Sack well tomorrow, but obviously if we can dive into Sunday, Matthew, because the you know, because the top of the table is already basically done. So if we if we look if we look at Sunday, uh, Hamilton has to win by what eleven now or something against Kamark and Marlow against Ross County, and I would say that. Um, there's another game on at St. Mithen Dundee and I keep it to be honest that game doesn't mean that anything uh, I no. think I think the Marwell Ross County uh, Camargue and um, ha- um, sorry Hamilton and Camargue means more to yeah you know yeah I think so I think you're right but uh, I mean the one thing I will say about St. Mithen sort of Dundee United Motherwell equation is um, out of those ones obviously there is a battle for seventh place to be won so you know, if Dundee United can win, St. Martin can win, or Motherwell can win, you know, one of them are in with a chance of finishing seventh. And while that doesn't hold a lot of kudos, as, yeah, as you may it's say, it's a lot of money, yes, of course. It's money, yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely what I'm getting at is it's money. Now, um, Motherwell, I kind of hope Motherwell finish seventh just because I think what they did during the week, uh, with regards to season ticket holders, has by miles been the best I've seen. Motherwell this week announced it. All people who bought season tickets last year will receive a free season ticket this year. Coming um, now, I think that is the best um, reaction to season ticket renewals that I've seen. I think it's put the fans first. I think it's given. I think all f- football fans something to think about in the fact that Motherwell put their fans first and centre and showed that they give they care about football fans. Um, so I think Motherwell's Motherwell's. Um, Motherwell season ticket renewals this year being free for those who bought last year I think kind of makes me hope that they finish seventh just because at least then they'll get a bit extra money to to pay for that hmm. um, but yeah I mean I think they showed the way um, and I think it was German football was it the chairman of Bayern Munich was talking about that last week as well saying that you know we could charge £300 we could charge £400 we could charge £500 for season tickets at um at Bayern Munich, but we don't because the fans are a lifeblood. And Motherwell have definitely taken the baton of that and said to them, said to our fans, we know you've had a tough year. We know you've put in money last year to the club that have kept us going. And as a thank you, we'll give you a free season ticket back next year. I think that's a, an excellent um, thing that Motherwell have done. So, you know, for that reason and that reason alone, I hope they finish seventh in the league. But then you compare that to something like Hibs. You know, Hibs have said, well, we've spent all your money this year, so you can pay again um, the exact same figure as last year. So when you when you put when you compare those two situations, you think, well, who cares about the fans the most? Who puts the fans first? And you've got to say Motherwell. So, you know, for that reason, like I said, I hope Motherwell finish seventh. But if for St. Mirren or Dundee United, St. Mirren haven't had a bad season. Um, obviously so St Mirren have the chance to round off a pretty decent season finish to seventh and Dundee United similar you know they've came into the top flight this is their first year again we all forget that you know they had a lot of upheaval, upheaval at the start with Presley going to Hearts and you know change of management Shankland was out for the first what quarter of the season so Dundee United have had their upheavals but they're in with the chance of finishing seventh so I think 
all of these clubs have had a decent season um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out at the end. But like I said, either way, I think they can all be happy with what they've achieved. And then, like you say, the big ones are at the bottom. I think Hamilton surely are done. Uh, but Kilmarnock-Hamilton game will be the most interesting because Hamilton has to win by a cricket score to stay up. But Kilmarnock also has to win to be in with a chance of overtaking Ross County. So that game is a must-win for both teams. Um, so that game will be a pretty end-to-end game to watch, you'd like to think. And then, you know, if Kilmarnock can beat Hamilton, Ross County know that they need to get a point against Motherwell uh, to stay up. But Motherwell know that they really have to win to be able to finish seventh. So there's different connotations going on at the bottom of the seat, bottom of the table. Um, Motherwell going for seventh. Ross County obviously hoping to survive. Kilmarnock knowing that they have to win to have a, to avoid the playoff, and Hamilton just have to win and have to win, you know, by about 11, 12, 13 now. So, um, but it's, it is an interesting sort of thing going on there, and I think all games will be interesting to watch for that reason. I could just imagine us coming on next week and say, well, that was a good win for Hamilton last week. They won 13 now. <laughs> never, well, never heard that in Scottish football. Well, strange enough, you know, but like, I, I, I'm not saying it'll happen and it won't happen, I don't think. But Hamilton, if there's a team that will avoid relegation by 1 and 12 now, <laughs> Hamilton's probably your team. I mean, Hamilton in all lessons should be done and dusted now. If it was any other team, they'd be relegated by now, but it would have to be Hamilton. They would have to be in with a chance of staying up a goal difference, wouldn't they? So <laughs> imagine what that commentator would be like. <laughs> Yeah, I think he wouldn't be coming out the bog for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I mean, I might get, I might get a lot of St. Mullen fans saying, "What are you talking about, Michael?" But to be honest with you, um, if they finish seventh, that would be a decent season for them. Even okay, they they must get in two cup finals, uh, just getting to the set, um, you know, both semi-finals. But it's give a it's give a big achievement for them to get to the. Uh, the League Cup and Scottish Cup and maybe finish in seventh place as well. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it's been a good season for St Mirren and, and you think about it, they were in a sniff of the top six as well, coming into the split. So, you know, they're not, they weren't far off the top six. They're not far off finishing seventh. They weren't far off getting to cup finals. So they're nearly there. And if you're a St Mirren fan, you're probably thinking, yeah, maybe this season could have been better in the sense that, you know, they could smell the top six, they could smell cup finals. They were so close. But considering where they've been and considering, you know, the owners at St. Martin, I think, are saying that they want to start moving up the table, they want to start competing, this is a decent base to to start that revival from. Um, and they're not a small club. You know, Paisley's obviously a big town. St. Martin can, you know, have a large ish amounts of fans in there. So they're not a small club. Um, so they do have the ambition to get up into the top six. And like I said, this is a decent base to work from. You know, they're there or thereabouts this year. Um, and if they can get to there or thereabouts next season, then again, I think that's a successful season. So so you're right. I think everybody, all the buddies will be probably quite content with the way the season's gone. And uh, onwards and upwards. Let's move on to Sunday games. Um no, tomorrow's game, Saturday, um, Hibs against Celtic, Rangers against Aberdeen, uh, and St. Johnson against Levinskin. Um, by the way, I'm just come back to Sunday games um, 
a sugar sick. All the games this weekend kick off at half uh, half twelve. Um, so I, I don't know if you want to start with Hibs Celtic. Hibs going for the cup final next week, and also Scott Brown's last game for Celtic. Yeah, I mean Hibs. I mean, I suppose we'll start with Hibs because uh, there's been quite a lot of news coming out of Easter Road this week, obviously, with things going on. So you mentioned the cup final and, you know, I think the news coming out of Easter Road and Hamden is that there will only be uh, 600 fans at the Scottish Cup final between St. Johnson and Hibs. So, you know, I think the SFA were hoping for 2,000. Um, that's what they applied for using template used for Euro 2020 so I think template for Euro 2020 is there had to be 1.5 metres uh, between fans and that would have allowed 12,000 fans in the Euros so that's what the SFA were hoping um, however the, the end result was 600 and the Scottish Government have said that uh, there will be a 2 metre distancing at this game not the, not the 1.5 so that's had the knock on effect so Hibs and St Johnson are obviously having to work out what's the best case scenario for their fans in regards to the 600 seats? Um, and I'll come to that later because Hibs have announced what they're going to do. Um, but the, the one thing I suppose that was a bit strange about this situation is since that appeared, we've had obviously Hibs fans, St. Johnson fans and football fans generally, you know, blaming the Scottish government for the fact that, you know, the, the Scottish government have said that the, the distancing has to be two metres, not 1.5. And that's the reason why there's only 600 fans allowed and I don't think that's a full story the SFA are quite happy to have that story peddled in the press um, because that almost takes away any responsibility from them but the truth is, you know, the Scottish Government have only said the health advice and the health advice is at the moment in Glasgow which, in, which you know at the moment, strangely enough, the south side of Glasgow, Cathcart um, where, Cathcart Rutherglen sort of area they have quite a high amount of COVID at the moment per head of population compared to everywhere else. So the Scottish government are looking at the fact, you know, that Cathcart has got a higher um, COVID rate than other areas, for example, and they're looking at the fact of, you know, what the current levels are in Scotland. And they've came up with the safe conclusion that two metres distance is is the amount. Now that has had the knock-on effect in the sense that there's 600 fans allowed, but that again isn't the full story. At the moment, Hamden only is one quarter operational. UEFA at the moment have control of Hamden's park, Hamden Park because of the UEFA 2020 coming up. Now the SFA did go and ask them for fans and UEFA have said yes, but UEFA have said three sides of Hamden are not able to be used, which means Hamden and the SFA only has one stand available and this is where I think it's SFA's fault because a few weeks ago it became known that there is a possibility there was a possibility of fans being able to get into the ground I think at that point the SFA should have been going around nearly every stadium in Scotland that could have had a fully operational stadium and asked them asked the question can we have the cup final at your venue now they've waited to the last minute then they've went round all the different stadiums and they've said, well, there might be too much work to do in such a short space of time. So a lot of big stadiums have said no. At Pataudry, obviously said yes, um, but that might be too far away. But, you know, your Murrayfields, your, even your Easter Roads, when you think about it, it's a neutral venue. You could have had the Easter Road fully operational, 20, what the capacity is, 22, 23,000 at Easter Road. You could have had at two metres 
you could have had a lot more than 600 fans in there. And I don't think St. Johnson would have been worried about having Easter Road because they have a good record there and they like the big pitch. So I don't think they'd be too worried about that either. So I think the the problem with this lies fully with the SFA and their complete and utter slow reaction to moving events that have been happening over the last month in regards to this cup final. So, yeah, the, the, I mean, the Scottish government have only done what they think safe at the present time and Hamden have made an absolute mess of it in the fact that we're now only going to have 600 fans in a stadium that has one stand open. Um, so it's an absolutely shambolic decision in, in my point of view. Um, but there you go. That's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, and also... Um... On, on the field, on the field, <laughs> the last game for Celtic. I, <clears throat> that, well, not the last game. Yeah, well, yeah, the last game for Celtic last season, but the last game for Scott Brown. Um, the last game for a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, P forty five. Yeah, so um, of course it was Scott Brown's last home game uh, the other night um, against Johnson. Uh, Google good win for Celtic there, but it's going to be a bit weird to see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on paper, if you were talking about this game normally, it's quite a tough game for Brown to go out on because you know Hibs have been on a good run of form. Like you said, they've got to the cup final. They finished third in the league, which is massive for a team like Hibs. Only during the week they went up to Pataudry and won one now. Um, it was an absolutely cracking goal. I don't know if you saw it from from Dodge, uh, a volley from outside the box. So Hibbs were coming into this on form. But I think because Cup final was coming up and you mentioned that I think Hibbs might rest a few players. So, you know, Celtic will be going into this gunning for, you know, trying to end the season on a bit of a high. I think Hibbs will play not a reserve team as such, but I don't think they'll play their full team. So I think Celtic will go on and win this one. You know, Brown, Scott Brown's an interesting one because I was at Scott Brown's last game for Hibs or one of his last games, it was either his last or his second last, and it was actually at Easter Road Stadium, and it was for Hibs against Celtic. So it's quite ironic that now his last game for Celtic will be at Easter Road against Hibs. So it's, it's a role reversal, and, and I'm sure, you know, Scott Brown, I've, I've said this to you off here, I'm pretty sure Scott Brown scored that day, and the whole stadium cheered for him. I don't know if that'll happen this week. Well, it won't happen this week because nobody will be there, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you know it'll be interesting to see how that will play out this weekend. And it'll be yeah, it's it's quite it's quite a fitting end to Scott Brown's career to be playing Hibs at Easter Road. So I think it's this is six hundred and twentieth game for Celtic. Um, it's been fourteen years. He's won twenty two trophies, and I think you know while we might argue about you know who's a better captain for Celtic and. You know, I don't think there's actually an argument to it. I think Billy McNeil was obviously the best Celtic captain they've ever had. I think we've had some, we've seen some big captains at Celtic Park over the years as well. Scott Brown's definitely up there with them. You know, like like I said, 22 trophies in a 14-year spell. Um, he's seen the demise of, you know, Rangers. He's he's won leagues. He's done well in Scott in European Cups. He's done well in U, uh, UEFA Cups. He's he's done really everything. Um, and I think, you know, people like Lustig have come out in recent weeks and said that, you know, his stature is almost on the same stature as people like Ibrahimovic for, for Sweden. So that shows you how not only do the Celtic fans uh, adore Scott Brown and the Celtic management team adore Scott Brown, but there's someone like Lustig who play, who's played internationally, who's played with people like Ibrahimovic, and he said that even people like him don't get a look in and compared to how 
inspirational Scott Brown is. So I think that just shows you the power of the guy, the inspiration of the guy. And, you know, the one thing for sure um, that I can definitely say for this, I think you'll see Celtic captains who are as successful because I think Celtic, like Rangers, I think a club like Celtic needs to be successful. And, you know, the next Celtic captain will probably be successful and the one after that will have success and all that kind of thing. But the one thing I will say is, as a player, I don't think we'll see Scott Brown's like again. I think he um, has been a one-off sort of captain in the middle of the t- in the middle of pitch for Celtic. Um, and yeah, it would take a lot to see his like again. And because of the way the football game's changing, I don't think we we'll ever will see his like again. And and do you not feel, uh, <clears throat> you know, come back to Scott Brown in a minute, right? But do you not feel a bit weird if you were a Celtic fan that the last two games? Well, um, that Celtic plague is the teams that the teams in the cup final. I never thought of that, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never thought of that. I suppose, I suppose it shows you though that Celtic, even though the season's ending, the one thing I would show you is that the Celtic have won games, but they've not been able to go out on a whimper. You know, mm-hmm. they are playing. To, well, they're playing an informed team in Hibs on on Saturday. They played an informed St Johnson team as well, so. They're not. They're not being allowed to go out just strolling it. They're playing the top teams in the country, um, and Scott Brown's old in his own style. So regardless, you know, of his age, and regardless of the fact, sometimes that we've criticised them in the bigger European games, for example, as being off the pace. Um, Scottish wise, he's still been up. He's still been able to perform at the top level against the top clubs. And you know, the one, the one set of fans and club that we're rubbing their hands together watching us are Aberdeen because. They're definitely still getting a top class footballer in the ranks for next year. I they um so yeah. But, I mean, but also Michael, just quickly, yep. while I remember, there was one disappointing aspect on Wednesday night, and I'll oh, throw yeah, it out there. Yeah. Well, um it was actually it was actually to do with the Celtic board. Um oh, yeah. I will get to the Aberdeen's assistant manager, which is I think what you were hinting at. Mm. Um I will get to them in a minute, but the Green Brigade uh, did put up, were allowed to put up a banner uh, for Scott Brown on Wednesday, um, and they did put that banner up. But given Celtic's roots as a club for the oppressed peoples, wherever they are, whether it's in Ireland or Scotland or whatever, the fans did put up a Palestine. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, now, yeah they, were, yeah, they were told to remove it. Now, I'm against that because... I think Celtic's always been a political sort of club. I would go. I wouldn't go so far as to say they're sectarian because that's not really been Celtic's way. Celtic are a political club, mm-hmm. um, and the fans have always been politically active, no matter what they've been throughout the years. Whether it was you know Thatcher back in the you know cup final uh, when she was given the red card, if you remember that, or whether it was you know way back in Michael Davitt's day when Celtic were founded and you know they were against people uh, getting kicked off their farmland so so you know nasty owners of property and land could put sheep in their place uh, or they were against you know the um the hunger and starvation that um young poor in glasgow are suffering all throughout their history from the start to now so they've always been a political football club and i think if there's ever a people being oppressed i think the palestinian cause is one that should be looked at and i was really proud of celtic when i saw them allowing, or what seemed to be allowing, the Palestinian protest on Wednesday night at Celtic Park. I was proud, and I thought that's us seeing Celtic going back to the roots as a as a club of protest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I should have known better because within what an hour the Celtic PLC had caught wind of it and removed the whole thing. Um, and I think confirming the fact that Celtic the Celtic board are so far off the normal fan and normal fans' feelings on things. Um, it's unbelievable. And if they think that Celtic fans are now going to go and blindly buy season tickets to a club that seems at the top to be quite right wing, I think they've got another thing coming. Um, but my, but again, it moved on from there. I suppose my, my faith in the Glasgow populace was restored when a poor young person or a poor man were, was um, gathered by the Home Office. Mm, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and people stood their ground showed uh, humanity should win at all costs and they refused to move before that man was released um, by the Home Office Guard and the police. So my, my faith in Glasgow was restored, but Celtic Football Club should hold their head in shame for what happened with that protest uh, with the Palestinian cause. I think it was disgraceful. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, the, there was no need for that um, uh, as well. They were just showing, just showing support, you would say, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like so, they always do, like they yeah. always do, and like I said, you know, if this was another club, another just a random club, I could see why that might happen. But the fact it's Celtic, I expect better from them mm. because of the history, because of what's happened, because of how that club's became so big. I expect more from the PLC, um, and yeah, they showed themselves up for what they are, and I think I think they they owe Celtic fans a lot. Um, for what's happened this year. And I think going going about that the way they've done it recently, um, Celtic fans won't be blindly buying season tickets again. I can say that much for sure. You were <clears throat> you were good good to tell us about the um the Aberdeen assistant manager. Well, not yeah, assistant now, but <laughs> I mean I mean you you said you said at the start not a lot's been happening, and it's funny because a lot's been happening, but not in bulk. So there's a lot of bits and bobs flying around this week. So it's been quite hard to put a show together because little bits and bobs have been flying around Scottish football and Scottish sport generally this week. And this is another one that appeared, you know, the Aberdeen assistant manager. Now, he is still the Aberdeen assistant manager, but he's left the coaching role with England um, over a traffic accident that involved his brother. Now, um, Alan Russell admitted that he allowed uh, his younger brother to drive knowing that he was uninsured. And I think then when he, the brother was driving uninsured, this led to an accident, a road traffic accident. Now, this happened last year, but it's it's resulted in uh, him and the FA, the FA, who I think he was he, he had a coaching role with the FA, um, and it was leading to the Euros this year. But he's had a, had discussions, I think, with the FA, and he's been, you know, the serious error of judgment has led him to leaving his job. So, you know, unfortunately... He's had to leave that side of things. Um, but, I mean, from an Aberdeen point of view, you know, he was appointed assistant manager in April uh, uh, after Stephen Glass moved from Atlanta. So I was kind of expecting a bit more from Aberdeen because, I mean, I know people do make mistakes and, you know, in true FA fashion, you know, you make one mistake, get out the door, and I think that's what's happened here. But Aberdeen have said, you know, we believe that, you know, everybody deserves an opportunity to redeem themselves. They think that, obviously he's learned from his actions and they will actually be supporting Alan to uh, continue his role as assistant manager at Aberdeen. So he should hopefully now move on and make a positive impact with Aberdeen and Stephen Glass and Scott Brown uh, mm. next year with Aberdeen. It's just a shame, really. I think the FA have reacted quite impulsively with this and said, well, you made the mistake. 
you, will, you can go now. Um, so I think the FA have acted the way the FA really do, and they're quite ruthless about that. But Aberdeen have probably done the right thing and spoke to him, found out what was going on. Um, and now he can concentrate, hopefully, fully on the football that he loves so much. And, you know, like I said, Aberdeen with Stephen Glass and Scott Brown is... Uh, and the team next year, I think Aberdeen have a lot going for them, and you know, hopefully they can all move on from this and push on next year to to push into that top three discussion. Well, well talking about Aberdeen, just by magic, they're playing tomorrow um, against Rangers, uh, the the champions at Ibrox. This called Rangers will lift that title. Um, at Ibrox against Aberdeen at half 12 and it's been a funny season and a kind of up and down season for Aberdeen as well you know getting knocked out the cup competitions earlier as you say getting a new manager and Scott Brown will jo- uh, join uh, join the team mid season as a player coach as well so there's a lot of positive things for Aberdeen as well Aberdeen are a funny club I mean they're a bit like Hibs in the sense that you know, I, I think Aberdeen, if they have a successful season, Aberdeen will finish third. A very successful season will finish third. Now, you know, when when McInnes was sacked, they weren't that far off that. <laughs> so, you know, okay, they weren't scoring goals. Okay, they weren't as entertaining as they used to be. But they were fourth in the league. Um, so at the time, I did think that, you know, the sacking was a bit, I don't know, it just seemed a bit rash. I think Aberdeen could have probably held on for a bit longer. Aberdeen haven't really improved greatly since Stephen Glass has came in or since they, they sacked the manager. So, you know, it's a funny situation for them to be in. Like like you said, you know, they have been up and down, but they have still been fourth in the league. They still managed to, you know, knock out, um, get to do okay in the Cups. Um, I know Dundee United absolutely hammered them at, um, at Pataudry a few weeks ago, but they've always been there or thereabouts. And, I think they could have pushed on regardless, but yeah, they have got a nucleus of a good team. Uh, they're definitely in the top four of the country, even though they're a bit off Hibs. They're they're still, what, 12 points off St. Johnson, so they're solidly the fourth best team in the league. I think with Scott Brown, you've got a winner in there, and Steve, I know Stephen Glass as well, but with Scott Brown, you've definitely got a winner in there who knows what it takes to be successful, who can motivate players. People like Ferguson will be rubbing their hands together thinking I'm going to get a play, get to play with what is a legend of the game. So, you know, Aberdeen do have a solid base for next year and I think they will push on and do better, but not before I think they get absolutely mauled at Ibrox on, on Saturday. <laughs> um, I think they showed the Easter Road. They showed against Aberdeen, uh, sorry, against Hibs at Aberdeen on Wednesday. I think the season's over for them. I think they're kind of closing off shop a little bit and um, you know, they had a lot of the ball against Hibs without really creating a lot of chances. Hibs were similar, but obviously they reached the cup final and they managed to get the get the winner on the end. So I think Aberdeen's season is coming to an end now and, you know, they are gearing up for next year. Rangers, on the other hand, you know, they're on 99 points. A point would get them over the 100. Uh, if they don't lose, they'll be undefeated. So I think, you know, while I will say that Aberdeen are on the up and next year they've got a very, very solid base to work from, I can't see anything but a Rangers win this weekend. And um, the only thing I would say about this this weekend, and it's not so much about the football, but I think it's just more of the worry that, you know, Rangers will have won the league. They will probably be undefeated. They will probably get over the 100 mark, obviously. Um, but, you know, for Rangers fans, I think we just all have to watch because, you know, there are talk, obviously, of, of thousands upon thousands of fans celebrating 
um, what is either Rangers' first title or Rangers' first title in the decade, whatever way you want to swing it. Um, there is talk of thousands of fans turning up. You know, Livingston last week, you know, there was fans on the, a lot of fans bulked into that hill behind the goal. Uh, Amundale Stadium or the Tony Macaroni Stadium or whatever and now you're talking about fans gathering outside Glasgow City Centre and Ibrox I would just say you know I know it's an historic day for Rangers and things like that but I think the main thing is to be sensible and to be safe and um, you know I know it'll probably fall upon deaf ears but you know I think it's something that Rangers fans if they are listening to this you know just uh, be safe out there for, for Saturday yeah, yeah. Listen to the police and the government advice as well. Be, um, you, you know, because we we don't want to go into another kind of lockdown as well. <coughs> you know, yeah, you well, know, so. well, there'll be from six hundred. There'll be sixty fans at the Scottish Cup next week after this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get into the big debate, Matthew. About uh, everybody's been talking about this. Obviously, Sit Johnson and Robinson takes care of itself, but the manager of the year, but let, let's talk about this game first, Livingston and St. Johnson. I think St. Johnson are, are going through the motions about the Hibs to, for the cup final next week, but they were going to finish off a, you would say, a successful season um, by winning at home against uh, Livy. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Hibs will be doing that, but it's unfortunate for Hibs in the sense that they've got Celtic coming to Easter Road, so that that will be a trouble in itself when you're going through the motions. But St. Johnson, you know, they're playing Livingston. Um, now, it's a strange one because even though, you know, St. Johnson will probably be going through the motions a little bit, um, and the Scottish Cup finals obviously on the horizon, there's a St. Johnson are going through a funny spell because, you know, they've still got that COVID situation ongoing. So, you know, while, they, while they'll play maybe a lesson team as such to rest, there's not that many players to choose from because, the, because of the COVID situation. So, you know, as they prepare for this Livingston game, as they prepare for the cup final, you know, Callum Davidson on, was it Wednesday night, he could only name five of seven subs from mm-hmm. the game at Celtic yeah. Park. Uh so, you know, they're hoping that a number of players will be back on Saturday. But, you know, after COVID, if, if once COVID gets into a squad, you just don't know how it affects individual players. You know, will they be up to top drawer? Will they be off the pace a little bit? You're just not sure. So, you know, this game, for, for the Hibs, it's obviously like a resting period. For this game, it could be almost like pre-season with players coming back, trying to get them up to match speed to try and get this game uh, over the line so they can move on to the Scottish Cup you know there are, there are discussions with the Scottish FA and the Scottish Government and the SPFL constantly um, you know like I said two players have tested positive two players have been advised to isolate you just don't know how that affects them uh, obviously they had the trouble at Celtic Park so I'm not I think they've got they've also got is it Zlamal from Hart season goal uh, or he was in goal against Celtic on, on Wednesday so it's a very concerning time for St Mirren, just at the time where you hope that they're going into what could be an historic cup double. Double, they've got all these COVID cases all over the place. So um, I'm not quite sure how it's going to play out. It didn't really affect them against St Mirren. Uh, I thought they were the better side against St Mirren just about, even though St Mirren had their chances. They were obviously beaten at Celtic Park, but COVID has had an impact. And you just hope for St Johnson. Uh, not, maybe not so much this game they're not bothering about, but... You're hopeful that you know they can get through this game unscathed 
against Livingston and then move on to the cup final because the cup final for St Johnson is the big one, not only from a from a trophy point of view, but from a European uh, qualification point of view. The cup final is so big and it's just a shame that they're coming up to that game with that COVID situation raging uh, in Perth. It's, it's a trying time for them and I just hope it plays out a bit better for them than, than it is at the moment. Okay, the big debate of the week, well, the last couple of weeks, manager of the year, Stephen Gerrard or Carm Gavis, Gavison. I think, um, I think um, I would give it to Stephen Gerrard, right? If St. Johnson got beat at Ibrox and Rangers went on, obviously, to win the cup. But here's a scenario, right? If St. Johnson gets beat in the final, I would still give him the manager of the year from, you know, for a wee club like St. John's, no disrespect to, to the St. John's fans out there, but it's a big achievement for them to get to two cup finals or even to win two cup finals, that would be good, but to get a two cup finals and one one, I think he 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 would still be the man the manager of the year for me, especially going to Ibrox as well. Because soon as, you know, I was watching the game that night and when Rangers got the goal, they would say, well, yeah, OK, they'll, they'll go on and win it now. They'll get to the semi-final or the final. But for St. Johnson to come back and for Zanga Clark to make, what was it? Um, well, obviously, he scored the, the equaliser and the extra team and then he, what, he saved two penalties as well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's there's three in my reckoning uh, as to who could have won it. Now, one wasn't mentioned so much in the media, um, and you probably think I'm biased when I say who I think it is. Uh, yeah, you're biased. I, <laughs> uh, Jack Ross. Biased. <laughs> biased. Um, no, I mean, I think the three, Jack Ross wasn't mentioned so much. I think it was, you know, the Livingston manager, but, you know, for the exact, I, I can't disagree with anything you've just said. Um, Stephen Gerrard obviously is up there because he's stopped 10 in a row. He's won Rangers' first league title um, since their return. Uh, he stopped really, when you think about the Celtic side, you know, Celtic were nearly unstoppable for, for a decade and he's managed to create a club in three years um, that has managed to come in and not just stop Celtic winning the 10, but absolutely annihilate all before them in the league. So for that and that reason alone, he should be up there. Callum Davidson again for the exact same reasons you've said. I can't disagree. You know, they'd won what one trophy before mm-hmm. before yeah. this season. Yeah. Uh, they're on the brink of doubling that, or winning two this year. Um, considering St Johnson's budget is probably the second lowest in the league or third lowest in the league, um, I think he's done absolutely wonders. So yeah, for a team that maybe yeah is slightly above you know Livingston and Hamilton for budget. He's come in and done well, got them in the top six. Big achievement for St. Johnson. Got them to win in the cup. Big achievement for St. Johnson. Could get them a cup double. Huge achievement for St. Johnson. I don't think you can go wrong with that. But then um, the Jack Ross scenario again, you know, Jack Ross come into a big team like Cabs. COVID obviously has affected budgets and stuff like that. Hibs have finished third, which in reality is kind of like Stephen Gerrard, because if you take away Celtic and Rangers, the highest really Hibs can look for most seasons is third. So he's won their mini league, in essence. He's got them to a Scottish Cup final. Um, he's on the brink of winning this cup for, for Hibs again, which would be the second time in, what, about 100 years. Um 
so that's a big achievement for him. So again, I don't think Jack Cross has got the sort of kudos he, he deserves for this season. I think G- Stephen Gerrard definitely has. Um, but like you, I would say Callum Davidson just because of the budget he's had. Um, now the COVID situation you can add in there, the low budget, the low squad, the difficult start to the season St. Johnson had. Now the fact, you know, they played the last few games with COVID riddling their team and they're still hanging in there. They got Obviously, they got to the Scottish Cup final while COVID was affecting their, their squad. So Callum Davidson's done wonders. And again, I would say he probably just about deserves it. But I think Jack Ross definitely deserves a bit of a mention as well for, for doing the doing really the maximum that Hibs would have hoped to achieve this year. He's managed to achieve it as well. So he should get a mention. But like you, I think Callum Davidson deserves it. Because, I mean, I think if, if I was a St. Johnson fan and you would tell me at the beginning of the season or oh, St. Johnson's, uh, you know, on the way to, well, or um, in contention of winning a double, I would just laugh at you. I, just, I mean, if you said to St. Johnson, if you took out the cups and you just said, you're going to finish fifth and you're going to be comfortably fifth, mm. I think they would have bitten your hand off at that. If you were to say, you're going to be fifth, and you're going to win the League Cup, they would have been crying with emotion. If they were told they were going to be fifth, win the Scot- League Cup, and be in with a chance of winning the Scottish Cup, I think their heads would explode. Would, would, <laughs> would you give Callum Gavison the manager of the year if they, was, if they weren't in the Cup final? Um, I think it would have made it a, difficult cho- a more difficult choice, but I think, I think beating, beating Rangers was massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering not many people have beaten Rangers like you said I think St Mirren are the only team to have beaten Rangers domestically this year St Johnson to do that at Ibrox was huge uh, for them to go into the Scottish Cup semi-final after everything they've been through and be hit with Covid um, and still then manage to get to the Scottish Cup final I think for me he's won it already uh, regardless of what happens in the Scottish Cup final itself um, Yeah, I mean a team like St Johnson being the fifth best team in the country alone, even if you take out the trophies, for a team like St. Johnson to be fifth in the league uh, comfortably, I think that's on its own as uh, sort of manager of the year material. But I mean, yeah, I, to win the cup, yeah. I mean, correct uh, <clears throat> me if I'm wrong, you're right, but I don't think you would give it to Skibbing Gerrard because it won the league. You would get spec because Silk gets nowhere this season. You would get the the Rangers fans would be rubbing their hands and say, "That's it, the treble's on." But they they fell at the they fell at the League Cup against, uh, as you say, St Mirren, and then also they fell at the Scottish Cup against St Johnson. And you would say, uh, any Rangers fans or any any punk pundits like me and you, because we are we're big pundits and bit, you would say that um, you know their two weird teams. St Mirren and St Johnson compared to the size of Rangers. Yeah, and that, and you know what, you have to be fair, I think, in these sorts of scenarios in the sense that if you're a Celtic manager or a Rangers manager, I'm sorry, you're expected to win the league. You're expected to win trophies. That's what you're there for. Yeah, and every, I know that every season. Yeah, and yeah. I know that brings its own pressure and its own skill set and all that kind of stuff. But there's an expectancy level. Um if you're Callum Davidson, you're expected to get a void relegation with St. Johnson every year, and that's a bonus. You're not expected to get top six. He's done that. You're not expected to win the League Cup. You've done that. 
and you're not expected to be challenging for the Scottish Cup, but he's done that as well, all in one year. Mm. <laughs> all in one year. And they're not, they didn't have the best of starts either to that, what, this season. So I think for that alone, Callum Davidson, the turnaround he's had with St. Johnson, like I said, he's ticked all those boxes. And on top of that, no fans in the crowd or uh, and, he's, and the club has been hit by COVID. So everything that could yeah. have went wrong for St. Johnson has happened. Yeah. But, he's, yeah. but yeah, but he's still managed to do it. He still managed to be successful. And I think that's why he deserves it more than anything else. Stephen Gerrard, like I said, was, I mean, even though people will have expected Celtic to be favourites, Rangers expected to be challenging and be there or thereabouts for the league. That This isn't a shock for Rangers fans as such. They, they expected Rangers to be one or two mm-hmm. and they're one, right? So, mm-hmm. like, it's not a big shock. Jack Ross was one, though, that you thought, well, for him, you know, the, ex- the top end is third. They're expected to be top six, but third was the thing they were gunning for. They achieved that. You know, they were they were there or thereabouts in the League Cup. That was disappointing, and that's why maybe Jack Ross doesn't get it, because, you know, the, the League Cup performance um, and the Hearts performance in this other semi-final. But, you know, he did get them to the Scottish Cup final, and if... if if Hibs were to win the Scottish Cup, which, like I say, is only the second time they've won it in about 100 years, if Jack Ross was to do that and finish third, then that's a big achievement for Hibs. So, you know, that's why I think, I think Callum Davidson won, Jack Ross two, Gerard three. That would be my top three managers this year. There you go. You've heard it here first in the locker room. Um, an exclusive for Indie Live again. Um, and <laughs> before we go, we've a couple of minutes I've got on the show um, tonight, but um, news about uh, no, not well, tennis, Matthew. You've got news about tennis, yeah. I mean, it's well, it's not, it's typical Andy Murray news. I mean, that's just uh, the way tennis goes, you know. I mean, Andy Murray obviously said this time in Rome this week was positive, despite, despite uh, he was beaten in the second round alongside Liam Brody and the Italian Open doubles. So Andy Murray did lose 6-3, 6-4 to, I think it was a German and Romanian pair, uh, and they were eighth seed. So it was disappointing in the sense that, you know, they were knocked out. But on the other hand, he was playing on the second competitive March, uh, match since March. So, you know, he's had that groin injury. This is his second game. And he's hoping he showed enough fitness um, to persuade French Open organisers to give him a wildcard card place for the upcoming French Open. So, you know, he thinks he's done enough. He thinks fitness-wise he's done okay. Um, like I said, we're just hoping now uh, the tournament organisers will decide, I think, early next week whether Murray will get a wild card into the main draw of the French Open, which starts on the 30th of May. Um, but if if they don't do that, then Andy Murray will seek to come through qualifying for the clay, the clay court Grand Slam. So there is options for Murray depending on what happens. He's hoping for a wildcard place, but if not, um, you know, he's had that game in Rome, even though it was a defeat, and he's hoping to move on to maybe some clay court Grand Slam action. So, um, so yeah, positive news for Murray. Just hope finally he gets over these injuries. Um, but he's playing games now, and I think that's even maybe more important than the result. He's getting games, he's getting fitness, uh, and we hope he takes it on from there. Yeah, I mean, it would be good to have him back at Wimbledon this year because obviously Wimbledon was cancelled uh, last year because of, dare I say it, cor- 
COVID, uh, but it would be <laughs> nice to see Wimbledon back this year. But Scott, what about earlier, yeah, about the fans getting let in for that, but it would be good to, to see Andy and Wimbledon back this year and sunny weather. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you always kind of look forward to Wimbledon being the sort of summer sport, don't you, in, in this country? And, you know, it's quite good that obviously we've had a winner, Murray, Andy Murray, um, relatively recently. And it's good that he's coming back into fitness. So uh, even though he's losing games, uh, like I said, I don't think that's the main thing for him at the moment. I think it's just getting games under his belt um, to try and get his fitness up, to try and rediscover that level. I don't think he'll get to the level he was prior to the injury. Obviously, he was really high up the rankings. Then. He was probably two or second or third in the world, um, maybe before the injury. But um, hopefully, you know, see him back playing, competing I think that's enough for him and uh, fingers crossed he gets that wild card place yeah um, good before we finish up Matthew we're, t- we're taking a few weeks off after next week so just to let you know that we, there's a few programmes coming up and then that f- uh, few uh, couple of weeks on the 28th of May uh, we are doing a show dedicated to LGBT and sport um, so that's an interesting one um, on the 4th of June, we're doing uh, one uh, looking at Scotty's Sport. So um, the, the, it's this organisation looking at, um, looking at um, Scotty's Sport in Scotland and how it impacts people and benefits people as well. And then on the 11th of June, we're doing a special show looking at um, Scotty's Disability Sport as well. And also, um, it's a bit early to mention this, but we might be, um, well, it's been confirmed yes, this week that we are doing the Euro Games for Scotland Games as well. So we'll have more news on that next week on the show. But um, yeah, so thanks for listening uh, this week. And um, if you want to email us in, you can do so by just emailing, funny enough, that's why it's called email in, um, lockerroomindylive at gmail.com. That's lockerroomindylive at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, and we'll be back next week to wrap up the football season. And, uh, well, the football season finished this week, but not for Hibs and St. Johnson and maybe Kamal or Dundee Whatever. So we'll round that up next week and then we'll be back in a few weeks with um with some special shows. So we'll see you soon here. And the Euros. Woo-hoo! And the Euros, yeah, yeah. Get your count on. Come on, Scotland. Run at home. Um, yeah, we might have William Wallace as well. Oh, I've gave the game away now. Actually, I don't think it's gonna be three dumb. I think it's gonna be three now defeat. Yeah. <laughs> in three games, maybe I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Think positive. Yeah, and on that, on that note, on that positive note, we are going to go now, and uh, we're going to. Oh, yeah. So have a good, week, have a good weekend, and we'll see you soon here on Indie Live Radio.